afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode here of the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts on the side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guys, Mr. Tad Desai. And Tad, unfortunately, we didn't get to this a little bit sooner. We had a few other things planned, um, but we're doing our 2023 fantasy football season recap in sort of... Uh, we're doing a quicker version, but if you want... Oh, dear Lord. If you want our full take on the 2023 fantasy season... We're going to link it for you in our social media handles. And, you know, we were on our good friend, Chauncey Talese, his podcast, LA Confidential, part of the LAFB network. And, Tad, we talked for close to three hours, right? I think so. And you promised me it was not going to be three hours. <laughs> it was a Friday. You didn't have to worry about missing. I don't care. Like I was up till 2 a.m. You also were talking a little bit more excessively. Because that you made me a host and I hadn't given my opinion in over a week. It's like I, I need my fix, man. I don't talk about when you host. I talk about when we're on Chauncey's I'm podcast. I'm talking that was the show after I hosted. That was, yes, that was the show after we hosted. Yes, for sure. For sure. Uh, but yeah, he had us on to sort of do like a fantasy recap on his show. And he was a great moderator, asked us a lot of great questions with his also his co-host, Thaddeus Klein. Um, and yeah, so we went through a lot, a lot of fantasy stuff in that episode. So we will link that for you um, in our social media handles. You see the ticker down below. Make sure you're following all the social media handles on Twitter. On the side 23, Tad the side 94, got the show handle at the Decide Guys and on Instagram at the Decide Guys. So we will link that for you because, yeah, if we're only going to give you a small taste of what was happening in that episode in today's episode. But we're also, Tad, going to take a very quick look at the 2024 season based on some things that we saw over the course of the 2023 season. A little bit of what we're seeing in the playoffs as well, the NFL playoffs. So, I mean, yeah, this is going to be some trends to keep in mind. As we sort of get to the 2024 fancy draft now, maybe people are already prepping for that. I mean, there's a, probably a lot of people out there in dynasty leagues, obviously keeper leagues. You what name you um, probably thinking about strategy already for 2024. So, yeah, we're going to give you a quick preview in 2024. So, Tad, like we're sort of talking about here, uh, we're going to get into our 2023 sort of like recap here. We're going to go over some of the bigger awards that we want to present to some of these fancy players. Uh, before we get into all that, though, we definitely have to give a shout out to our fantastic Spart partners. Not Spartners. That, that'd be different. They, they might as well be Spartners. They're like the Sparta <laughs> of online betting. <laughs> Uh, but there are fantastic partners at Underdog Fantasy. I mean, we've been partnering with them for the past two months now. And it's just a great platform to sort of get into some two different sort of action here. You can get into some fantasy football action, fantasy basketball. They cut you all the other sports as well. But they also got you covered on some betting action. When it comes to the fantasy side, um, they do what's called best ball. So that's what they're known for their platform there. And pretty much what it is is that you draft your roster and you set it and forget it. So it sort of takes all the guessing game out of fantasy football. You don't have to worry about who you're going to pick up off the waiver wire. You don't have to worry about making some midseason trades. You don't have to worry about, here's the biggest thing, you don't have to worry about setting the optimal lineup because Best Ball and Underdog Fantasy's platform will take care of all of that for you. So every single week, you know, you may struggle about like, oh my God, if I leave this guy on my bench, he's going to go off for me. And then the guy that I started is not going to do as well. Underdog's got you covered with their best ball, best ball fantasy platform. They'll optimize each and every week with all the players that score the highest for you at every position. So you'll always get the maximum amount of points each and every week. And like I said, you don't have to worry about waiver wire. You don't have to worry about trades. You don't have to worry about start sits. It's just all taken care of. So it's sort of like a very, you know, sort of set it and forget it sort of fantasy sort of action. There's so a lot of people like it. There's a lot of people that like the sort of, you know, the managing aspect of fantasy football. So maybe it's not for you, but it could be something fun to try. But I think the biggest thing that me and Tad are huge fans of is the betting side, where you sort of uh -huh. just make anywhere between two to five different prop picks. You can pick from the NFL. You can go to the NBA, the MLB. They got all sports covered, and the more picks you make, the more money you can win. That's how much more of a multiplier you get based on how much of you bet you make. I mean, the bets range from anything from, you know, Brock Purdy over two and a half passing touchdowns to, you know, uh, Justin Tucker, six and a half field goal, uh, six and a half fantasy points. Six and a half field goals would be quite the bet. 
hey, it could happen too, basically. That's fair. <laughs> offense sometimes too, but six and a half fantasy points. That was the bet that I saw earlier today on the platform there. So, I mean, they got lots of different props for you. They go to the defensive side of the ball too. Uh, they also got the head-to-head aspect where it's like, you know, you got two different teams or even the same team. So you could even be like, you know, who's going to have more receptions, Jaden Reed or Romeo Dobbs? So it's like you got that sort of, you know, head-to-head that you can sort of pick between those two as well. So they got a lot of different options for you. But I think the biggest thing as to why you need to start using the underdog fantasy platform they give us a promo code that will double up on your list deposit of ten dollars or more up to five hundred dollars use that promo code that you see on your screen the code is d the d-e-s-a-i it's our last name man how'd you stumble on that well because i was going to spell it first before i was saying it and then i realized i say it first before i spell it so it was, it was i i would there. get non-stop crap from you if i did that yeah that's true that's true. It'd be a little on. bit nicer about it. But um, so use that promo code Desai, D-E-S-A-I. You can double up on your just deposit of $10 or more up to $500. So, I mean, if you put $500 in your account with your first deposit, Underdog will match all $500. So you can bet with $1,000 on their platform if you so choose. But whatever amount between $10 and $500, they will match that dollar for dollar. So you can get into some betting action or some best ball action. You can also pay to play some best ball and be competitive that way as well. So either way. But Tad, it's been a fun partnership. It's been really great platform both on their website as well as the app. So, I mean, it's just it's been a lot of fun. It's been so easy to do too. It's been so much fun, and we do a weekly segment on our YouTube Shorts, cha- uh, I guess, channel live stream. It doesn't matter. If you go to the LAFB Network YouTube channel, you'll see under the YouTube Shorts section, we'll go with that, sure. is we have dropped our favorite picks week by week. And it's funny because we're kind of flip-flopping. I'll do really well one week. You'll do okay the next. And then, you know, it's going to keep going throughout the playoffs. So we have a video dropping very shortly of our favorite picks of the nfl divisional round uh bets to make so be sure to check that out because you know we're here for you guys just like underdog is so be sure to you know support our partners because god knows they have done a great job of supporting us absolutely correct there so yeah make sure you use that promo code desai d-e-s-a-i to double up on your digital positive ten dollars or more up to five hundred dollars on underdog's fantasy platform all right Let's get into our today's episode here. We're going to get into, like we talked about, the 2023 Fantasy Awards, just some awards that we want to touch on as far as players that had a good job, had a good season, did not have a great season, who can't have a surprise season, uh, rookies of the year. Like, I mean, there's lots of different awards that are given out, you know, obviously by lots of these podcasts and, you know, the media out there when it comes to fantasy football specifically. So we want to highlight some of those. So, Tad, what's one award or one player that you want to highlight that should get a fantasy award regardless of whatever it is well you know buddy this is this was a very long fantasy season for me none of none of my leagues went well i almost had to go to the damn ihop again or a bar (laughs) for 12 hours which is worse (laughs) in my opinion so you know for a negative season for me i'm gonna start off with a negative award sure biggest bust of this fantasy season this was actually a pretty easy pick for me austin eckler yeah, I think with that high round investment, I think, yeah, he did not have the season that a lot of people were hoping would that he would have. Not even high round investment, but high pick investment. In mm-hmm. most leagues, he was the second running back off the board after Christian McCaffrey. Easily. Easily. And, and it's understandable why is because not only is he a pretty good running threat, but he also had that, you know, kind of dual threat of being a, you know, arguably the Chargers number two receiver with all Mike Williams issues. And so if you're in a half PPR or full PPR league, that increases his value all that much more. These were his stats this season in 15 games. So yes, I am factoring in his injury, which was towards the beginning of the season. And then he was, you know, pretty healthy for the rest of it. So I don't want to hear any excuses. Well, he was hurt for quarter of the season. Get out of here. In 15 games, he only hit more than 20 points once yeah that's rough once (laughs) but it's okay because it's like okay but maybe you finished that 15 20 range it's not great but it's better yeah he only did that five times he only did that for 33.3 repeating how about that math nice of his entire season that's it and i double triple check the math on that 33 percent point three repeating 
That's the only amount that he scored over 15 points. And again, for the second running back taken off the board, that is absolutely unacceptable. Some people like pointing out how, you know, quote unquote, disappointing Derrick Henry was. Derrick Henry at least scored 11 touchdowns. He at least got, you know, some, you know, salvation out of what is arguably not a great season. I'm not going to defend him too much, but with Austin Eckler, it was just an unmitigated disaster. Like this was easily the biggest bust of the season, especially because let's go back to what I said before with him being a receiver, adding so much onto his value. He wasn't that good as a receiver this year. Amir, it's time to play your favorite game. He only topped five receptions, meaning he only got over five receptions two times this season, over or under. Over or under, are you going to do two and a half or are you going to do one and a half? Uh, we'll go two and a half. Over. I'm going to say he did it three times. I'm going to say over. Yeah, you, you were getting too good at this, so I made it mean. It's exactly two. <laughs> oh, it's two. God It's dang. two. I tried to give you it out there, but you you were no, the one that yourself with a half. But yes, no, he only finished with over five receptions twice. Do you want to guess how many receiving touchdowns he had all year? Probably zero. One. One. Wow. All year. And again, like, yes, if he was truly riddled by injuries and, you know, only played half a season, okay, that's understandable. He only missed three games yeah that's that's the roughest part and so i understand that yes a lot of this is like offensive woes and you know system problems but at the same time he's aging up and this just to me reeks a lot of kind of like what we saw with todd Gurley, where all of a sudden it was a fancy superstar that just crashed i want to say down to earth but like even lower like down to hell like within like a year or two and so it's not only a bust season because he just didn't do well. It's because it puts his future production in serious, serious jeopardy and serious question. Eckler, I, mm, I even question if he's going to be a second round or if he should be a second rounder. I'm sure someone will take him in the second round next year. But I question it. A lot of it depends on the coach. If they hire like Bill Belichick, I'm like, Eckler's done. If they hire Harbaugh, okay, that's an interesting conversation to have. I think the more interesting thing to know is just whether the Chargers are going to bring it back because he's actually going to be a free agent in the offseason. So, you know, whether he'll want to come back to the Chargers with that new head coach or that is um, and new GM as well, because remember, they're looking for a GM Mm -hmm. as well. So, you know, that's going to be part of the decision making, like whether just, you know, he's part of that investment or whether they just think that same line of thinking where just like running backs don't need to be paid that much. and We could draft somebody. Right. So it's like, I don't know what's going to happen there. So, yeah, depending on where he lands, that could possibly increase or decrease his value as well. So. Yeah, very interesting situation to barter with 2024. We're sort of obviously going to take a look ahead of that in a little bit later in the episode. But yeah, maybe we'll bring that up again as far as just like our thoughts as far as what he could do in 2024. Like, I mean, that's going to be very interesting. I'm checking my phone because just the way we've been talking about this, this Chargers coach is going to get hired while we're recording. (laughs) That's usually our luck. Yeah, yeah, all right. I'm on it. It's charged. (laughs) Um, But I think speaking about luck, um, I'm going to bring up the, not Andrew Luck. No, no, not Andrew Luck. But I want to talk about Luck in this sense, where you know there's a lot of you know question marks surrounding this team's receiving offense with their star receiver possibly being out for the beginning of the season. It's like who's going to step up in his place? So I'm going to bring up this award, Rookie of the Year. Ooh. I'm going to go to the Los Angeles Rams, and I'm going to go with the guy out of BYU in the fifth round, Puka Nakua. Now. When the season began, you know, we brought up our good friend Chauncey Talese. He was at Charge uh, Rams training camp, and he was mentioning that Pukunakua looked like a potential guy who could sort of emerge in this offense. And I identified him as a guy too, but I never brought him up on the podcast because I was like, I don't think it's going to happen until towards the end of the season, maybe beginning of next season. We may see some flashes, but nowhere near consistent where it's like this is a guy worth rostering or even keeping on your watch list. Wow, did he come out of the gate like swinging? Um, first game, Dad, against the Seattle Seahawks. 15 targets, 10 receptions, 119 yards. He absolutely put himself on the map. Everybody was clamoring to get this guy off the waiver wire. Um, if you were lucky to grab him, you're probably playing for a fantasy title because he was mainly rostered on a lot of fantasy rosters this year who were playing for a championship. He finished the season breaking the single season rookie record for receptions as well as receiving yards. 
Um, he broke that with 105 receptions, 1,486 receiving yards. He didn't score that much. He only had six receiving touchdowns this season, but that's yeah, short. I mean, that's still that's still not bad. Though. Yeah, it's still not bad, especially for your rookie season. That's still very, very good. Um, but just yeah, this guy absolutely killed it. Like I mean, he just came out of nowhere. Then you add in Cooper Cup into that system, and they're just that much more dangerous. Obviously, then you add in Kyron Williams, who had a sensational season as well. But just Man, he finished as the fifth best fantasy wide receiver. Like, I mean, nobody expected that, obviously, from this guy. Um, just crazy how good of a season that he had. And I think it's pretty much a shoe in that he should be the fantasy rookie of the year. Like, I mean, obviously, a lot of other guys like Bijan Robinson, he had an up and down season. Obviously, that's attributed to uh, Arthur Smith and the coaching style there. Uh, Jameer Gibbs had a slow start to the season, and then he finished strong. Um, Sam Laporta would be a very good candidate in this award category as well. But I feel like when you're breaking rookie records, I feel like you're a shoe in for the award at the end of the season. So, yeah, Puka Nakua, excuse me, is the pick here. You'll really like this comparison. It's like when people ask, like, uh, there's a great argument to be had. Who's the best quarterback of all time? And I'm not talking fantasy-wise. I'm talking in general. Just who's the best down. tight end of all time? Sure. Another great you know, conversation because there is no clear answer. But when you ask who's the best receiver of all time, it's like it's Jerry Rice. Yeah, exactly. it's Jerry Rice. And like, there, there is no argument. Like, some people will say Randy Moss. No, 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 no. Look at the, it's, it's Jerry Rice. It's the same thing as like, what's the best rookie wide receiver, you know, season of all time? It's Puka Nakua. Like, there's yeah. just no, no, no argument. Shut up. Like, I don't want to hear about Calvin Johnson or anything like that. Get out of here. Is Nakua by a mile? And I think the thing again, kind of staying more on the field than the fantasy wise thing that's surprising with him is he reminds me a lot of Cooper Cup where it's like he doesn't do any one thing really all that well where it's like oh that's his bread and butter it's just like he does everything well enough where it's like he's just an all-around complete weapon already and like I said it's just a you know mid-round pick that came out of nowhere from a small college it's just like and yes BYU is a small college before anyone yeah. yells at me um it's 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 Cooper Cup all over again and it's just insane that they managed to pull this off. And you're right. Sam Laporta is probably second in my you know, rankings there because yeah. he did finish his tight end number one this he year. Did. But a large part of that is Laporta, like most tight ends, had massive weeks, but then also disappeared. Nakua never really had any weeks. I, he had it like one or two, but there were, very, couple, yeah. there were very few games where, and definitely less than Laporta, where it was just like, ah, oh, that was a bust for me. He was awesome, and uh, yeah, he's. I think he's a lock for the first round. I think we also talked about that on Chauncey's podcast, where um, he, he he could go before, depending on how the, these injuries and this quarterback uh, you know situation shakes out. I could see Nakua going before Justin Jefferson in some of these leagues. Honestly, with the reception numbers that he had, and obviously with the injury situation that mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson suffered this past season, we don't know for sure whether Kirk Cousins is coming back to Minnesota, so that could affect things too. So, yeah, I wouldn't blame somebody for taking Nakua ahead of Justin Jefferson, but yeah, we'll see how that all plays out next year. But one thing I think for sure people can sort of look to is that Nakua is going to go ahead of Cooper Cup, surprisingly. Like, a lot yeah. of people thought that Cooper Cup would obviously be the wide receiver one, but with the season that Nakua had, and you sort of saw that Stafford was looking at Nakua's way more than Cooper Cup's way a lot of the times, even when Cooper Cup was healthy. So, I mean, I think that's one safe bet to make, that a lot of people will be drafting Nakua ahead of Cup when their drafts come along next year. Cup's developed what I call uh, Julio Jones syndrome, where it's like, he's so good, but he's so hurt. And yeah. like, you just can't help yourself because you know the few games he does play, just like Julio Jones and that damn hamstring that bothered him for like half a decade. It's like, he's going to kill it in those games, but like, I just, I don't trust him for a full season yeah. anymore. And, I, and you saw with Julio Jones is that really killed his fantasy stock where he went from being just like Cooper Cup was an unquestioned, you know, first round receiver to, okay, that's a bit of a risky second rounder, but if he's there in the third or fourth. And I think exactly you're 100% right. That is exactly the territory Cooper Cup's going to find himself in until he can play another full season. And, I mean, maybe that's the good news with this Puka emergence is that he won't be relied on so heavily because I think that's a big very reason true. he kept getting hurt. That's um, so hopefully – because Cooper Cup's just so much fun to watch. Oh, so yeah. hopefully he can stay healthy because him, Nakua – who knows with this receiving core and then Kyron Williams stepping up, maybe Matt Stafford kind of looks and is like, maybe we do give it one more go. So maybe even Stafford's back next year. 
Yeah, you very much see that. They got a very, you know, surprising offense this entire season, but nobody's going to be surprised by them next year. But you just add on to that with the great job that they did. And yeah, they could be that much more of a dangerous offense and compete for a title next year, for sure, especially with them making the playoffs this year. So I don't know why I gave Stafford such a high pitched voice there, but we're just going to roll with it. (laughs) Is that exciting? You got to get up there. It's that exciting. You can bring it up an octave higher. Exactly. All right, Ted. So let's get to some more awards here. Give me another award and a player that you're sort of matching up here to close out the 2020 all right to be honest it's it uh, i mean puka nakua won this one too but you know we can't talk about back-to-back segments um so waiver wire pickup of the year is second to puka david njoku njoku is a very good option now let me explain this because i know a lot of people are going to be like the hell are you talking about because for most of the season yes he played like your very normal fantasy tight end where it was like really good you know for one week and then like two okay to bad weeks and then really good the next week and he was just like any other tight end where it's just that consistency wasn't there the dependability wasn't there and he was hugely frustrating Yes. The reason I am giving him this award is because when he stepped up, when Wacko Flacco came into play, I am so mad they're out of the playoffs. That would have been such a fun story. But the fact that Flacco threw his way so often and he exploded, and here's why he gets the award at the like chef's kiss, perfect time for fantasy managers is like that was either depending on your league setup, right at the beginning of your playoffs, or right as you were making that final playoff push. And on top of that, when you got into the playoffs as well. And so four out of the last five weeks, and I say that because he didn't play the last week because obviously they arrested everyone. But in his last four games played of the season, he reached double-digit points in every single game. That type of consistency from a tight end, not named Travis Kelsey, which, by the way, even Kelsey didn't have that consistency. He was not defendable this year. Mm -hmm. Mark Andrews, who, yeah, you know. He's, he was good, but not great. He's kind of dropping off too. Yeah, um, he got hurt. So yeah, yeah but like a, a, that kind of consistency from a quote unquote non-elite tight end is like unheard of, especially that late in the season. That is like the treasure trove of pickups. And if you were, and here's the best part. It's not even like, okay, oh, I'm out of the playoffs. He was huge for me. And yes, I am biased, which is probably why I picked him because I was in real danger. I was uh, just a game, game and a half out of last place. Njoku was one of my pickups because Dallas Goddard got hurt. That man helped get me out of the last place race, and I finished just a game short of making the playoffs, which really tells you how the, the my league was crazy this year. It was but, wild. Uh, it, was wild. it was really weird. I did not like it. But <laughs> bottom line being is I went from you know pretender to contender, and I'm not going to say it was all because of Njoku, but he, that is such a major hole to fill in your roster where you don't need to worry about that damn tight end that is like, okay, hopefully he catches a touchdown this week. Otherwise, I'm screwed. It didn't matter if he caught a touchdown. He didn't catch a touchdown in all four of those games. He caught him in three out of the four. But bottom line being is like Njoku was just such – the uh, you know, Nakua was a great pickup at the beginning of the season. But what's better than a great pickup is a clutch pickup. And that was the most clutch pickup off the waivers of the year. Njoku, here's your trophy. Yeah, I think the trophy. biggest thing, too, is that we talked about Njoku before on the podcast. That was like, not only was he scoring double digits, but if I remember correctly, Tad, he had back-to-back weeks where he scored over 20 points. And that's very rare depending to on, get at Depending the on the of, format, yes. Exactly, depending on the por- format that you're playing it. But yeah, that's very hard to rely on at the tight end position specifically. So it's like, outside of Travis Kelsey, even him, like it's not always consistently that he's going to get 20 points. But this for back-to-back weeks, like, I mean, that's exactly the type of guy that you want and you can rely on, especially that's the biggest thing when you need it most, like whether you're making that push for the playoffs or you're already in the playoffs and you need to move on. If you're getting that production from your tight end, it's like, you can't beat that. You really can't beat that. So, I mean, yeah, sensational season that he had to close out the season. We'll see what happens next year. You know, I really doubt Joe Flacco is going to be coming back. They definitely have to That'd come be into Sean Watson. If they re-sign Joe Flacco, I will lose my mind. I'm, I will, I, Maybe it's a backup. Maybe look, it's a backup. Look, like it could be in the cards there. This is recording, recording. Okay, 23, 20, 23, 20 seconds. If Joe Flacco goes back to the Browns, I will buy a Flacco jersey. Interesting. Market. So even as a backup? Even as a backup. Okay. All right. All right. Because I can see that very much in the card. Might be might be a t-shirt jersey, but still. Yeah, it's fair. Because jersey, I like it. Um, Because, yeah, I think they have to commit to Deshaun Watson, obviously, with all that money that they're paying you him. You know, I was thinking, well, and we won't get too much into this because that's yeah. another great offseason topic. But, like, yeah, sure. what a weird, like, what a Cleveland-esque pickle to Seriously. be in. Where Seriously. it's just like, 
we brought this guy off the couch and he is 10 times better than the guy we just paid what 250 fully guaranteed yep quarter it's of a like, billion don't, don't fully guarantee people you're not the dodgers like come yeah, on i just I, I really don't know what they're doing with that move so yeah so we'll dumb. see what happens there but yeah like i said i can very much see a reality where joe flacco is backing up deshaun watson and if deshaun watson struggles again we may see some more of that flacco magic potentially in the season as well in 2024 so I'm going to get to the biggest award that's usually given for the regular season, also the fantasy season here, and that is the MVP. Now, I did initially pick Justin Herbert to win this award, unfortunately, just with the season that the Chargers had. Not his um, fault, though. Not his he fault. got hurt, you know. Before he got injured, though, Herbert was the seventh best quarterback in PPR leagues. Um, he still wasn't the absolute stud that a lot of people were expecting him to be. Like a lot of me and you both predicted that he would have a sensational season, just unfortunately didn't see that. Injuries to skill positions. Obviously, we brought Mike Williams getting hurt. Keenan Allen got hurt a little bit later. Going, going with your third and fourth string receivers. Austin Eckler, who you already brought up, just didn't have a sensational season. They went 5-18 at 18 in the 13 games that he started for the Chargers. So, I mean, that's not going to help you either. So, there's a reason why he did win fantasy MVP and he did have a great season. But, one guy who absolutely killed it this season. I mean, it's pretty easy to pick this one as well. Very much like the Rookie of the Year award. Like, this is pretty easy to pick, but it's Christian McCaffrey. Like, yeah. I mean, a lot of people were questionable when drafts were rolling around in 2023. It's like, can he stay healthy? Is he going to be the same guy? Oh, my God. He absolutely killed it this season. He had nearly 400 fantasy points in the regular season in PPR leagues. The next closest starting back was Travis Etienne Jr., who had... 268.7 fantasy points. That is a 122.6 point difference between his point total and second place, which is Travis Etienne. So, I mean, just he absolutely crushed it when it comes to fantasy football. I mean, I brought this up before when the trade happened. That was just like his style of play and Kyle Shanahan's offense. Like, it's just the match made in heaven. He absolutely looks fantastic in the system. You can see why he's so effective. Unfortunately, though, even though he was rostered in 58.9% of championship matches, as far as the team that's playing in the championship match in ESPN leagues, he got hurt in that championship game. So he unfortunately, he if did. you rostered yeah. him and he was on your team, he only totaled 13.1 points in that game. He did score a touchdown in that game, but then he went out in the second quarter in that game against the Commanders. Um, that may have costed you a title. We'll see about that. But he definitely got you to a title because if you had a rostered like, I'd be very shocked to see. Like, honestly, hit us up on our Twitter timelines. If you had Christian McCaffrey and you didn't make the title game, I want to see screenshots of that because, yeah, clearly it's like, well, you also traded him away. So that that's for a good saving. reason. That's your saving grace there. But, yeah, if you had the entire season and you didn't make the title game, that would be a little bit shocking. So, yeah, send us your screenshots if you have him and you didn't make the title game. I'm very curious to see about that. But talk about consistency. He only had three games this season, Tad, where he scored under 15 fantasy points. Like, I mean, that's just sensational production that you're getting from the running back position. Like we talked about Austin Eckler's that high pick investment, that high round investment, but he totally backed it up. Like, I mean, this guy is for sure, like with the season that he had, he's a clear cut number one overall pick, I think, going into 2024. I think there may be still a little pe some people that may enter the conversation of like a wide receiver with the sort of the game going in that direction. Maybe a Tyreek Hill, maybe a Justin Jefferson, maybe a Puka Nakua. I don't know. But I think for me, I'm still more of that traditionalist. I'm looking at the running back. And if I have the number one overall pick, I'm 100% lucky at Christian McCaffrey. Uh, yeah. I mean, like you said, there's not much to say here other than I called it. Uh, because, and to be fair, we both called that. He was we both called it, stud. Yes. Um, but it was funny because in my auction draft, I mean, talk about making a good investment, almost literally, um, in my auction draft back in August, um, for those of you not aware is the way auction drafts work is in, like, you know, snake order is nominating a player. So like I, we start bidding on this yeah, player. There's really, there's really no point to having an order. It's really just everybody nominates right. whoever they want. Yeah. And the, the nomination strategy is this, you nominate guys that you don't really want that you hope you can trick others into wanting. So you like have them lose their money faster than sure. until that happens. It worked to perfection for me. Cause I, I'm trying to remember, I was like third or fourth in the order. And by then everybody had spent, you know, 70 bucks on not Zeke Elliott, but like 70 bucks on, uh, you know, Bijan Robinson yeah, or Justin Jefferson or something like that. And then I got to nominate Chris McCaffrey and he started, I was really hoping I, I waited long enough where his price would go down, but got up to the mid sixties and finally, which is oh. a lot. 
And finally, I was like, enough. fine. I spent $65 on him, and I drafted with my friends, and one of them turned around. I was like, really? And it was funny because I, I was I was shocked that he was shocked. I was like, yeah, dude, Chris McCaffrey's awesome. And he had a very valid complaint at the time, which was he's not going to last the whole season. Yeah. And it's funny because it was such a valid complaint. That's what ended up biting me square in the ass later on in the season when he went down. I'm like, all right, he's done for at least four weeks. And he wasn't done for a single week. He came back the very next weekend. Uh, but I freaked out so bad because he does have that history. But he proved it wrong. He proved I can still do this. And it's not even like I said with uh, Cooper Cup where it's like, God, maybe they should start leaning on him less, even though maybe they should. Um, but clearly he can handle a pretty big workload. And for a player his size, that's phenomenal. Now his longevity, like I said, that is a legitimate concern. Um, but for now, yeah, he's a fancy superstar, the fancy superstar. 100% accurate there. So, yeah, I think for me, like I said, 2024 rolls around. If I bet number one overall, I'm 100% locking in that pick because I think just so good. So good. It's like I still, Ted, till this day, I'm still like in shock that he is a member of the San Francisco 49ers. It's still surreal to me. It's still surreal to me. We said this a couple weeks ago on the podcast. I'm still in shock that you somehow traded, you being the 49ers, somehow traded for two top 10 picks and did not have to give up a single first round pick in either (laughs) trade. Yeah, like the Chase Young trade, like I was so ecstatic about it, but it's like the Christian McCaffrey trade. I'm still, like I said, to this day, I'm still just like, I can't believe he's playing for us. Like that's just so crazy. I love it. I'm hoping he absolutely runs all over the Packers this coming weekend. I'm ready for it. All right, Tab, why don't you close us out with one more award, one more player? All right, real quick, just because I love this award, both in real life and with fantasy. Everybody loves a good comeback story. So comeback player of the year is Baker Mayfield. I like it. So Baker Mayfield scored nine and it's kind of the same justification I had with David Njoku where it's the timing of his performances as well. The last three, uh, three, sorry, three of his last five games of the season, he scored 19 points or more. So that again, with that timing where your quarterback is dependable, he's putting up, you know, those points where if my quarterback puts up 20 or more, I'm happy. Even if I lose, I'm like, okay, that guy couldn't have done much more. So it's not his fault. And Baker Mayfield, of all people is doing that and a majority of the late season. But on top of that, you look at first off where he finished in the season. He finishes QB 10. This is a guy that was going virtually undrafted Very and true. to like play himself into a top 10 finish is insane. He finished above quarterbacks like Tua a quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence, Matthew Stafford. And yes, I know he got hurt, but I don't care. Justin Herbert. All four of those guys were very well rated over Baker Mayfield. And if you took Baker Mayfield off the waivers or if you were crazy enough to draft him, it paid off. Ultimately, if you look at the totality of the season, it paid off. So, yeah, again, I'm, I'm not going to dive too deep into it. But, uh, yeah, Baker Mayfield is both, in, in my mind, comeback player of the year, both in fantasy and in real life, too. I think he deserves it over Flacco, and he definitely deserves it over Tamar Hamlin. Yeah, and I think the big thing that you said that sort of just played him into being a top 10 fantasy quarterback, but I think he enters the conversation for the Buccaneers as far as like, do we need to commit to this guy to be our franchise quarterback? So it's like, I think with the season that he had, he had a great game against the Philadelphia Eagles in the playoff game of the wildcard run. I know the Eagles didn't play all that well, but you still need to play well when you're beating another team. So it's like, yeah, he still played really well. He made a lot of nice throws. Um, So yeah, I think he enters the conversation for the Buccaneers as far as like, I think we need to commit to this guy because he rallied the troops. He obviously played really well. And I just think that the offense looked very good with him under center, especially as the season got went along. So, yeah, very surprising to think that's like Baker Mayfield is a franchise quarterback, especially with him being a former number one overall pick. And it's like, why are we having this conversation? He should be. But, yeah, it, the play was obviously inconsistent with his time in Cleveland and uh, Carolina and St. Louis, uh, Louis, Los Angeles. How last dare year. you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You bastard. <laughs> And then, yeah, now with Tampa Bay. So, I mean, yeah, it's curious to see whether they commit to him, but I think they should. I I mean, and not even going like it's ridiculous to look back at the number one overall pick we're having this conversation, even though it is. But let's not forget, that's why that comeback he led with the Rams, even though the rest of the season was kind of meh, is uh, that's why it was so cool is because, yeah, he got picked up out of nowhere, out of pure desperation by the Rams of like, we need somebody who can throw the ball. And then he leads, what was it, like a 98, 99-yard drive or something insane like that. If he did not pull that off, it is very realistic to 
to think that, you know, Mayfield, and I almost said Manziel very much on purpose, that uh, Mayfield is in the UFL right now. And that he's very not possible. even in the NFL without that one game, that one drive. And so he's gone from one drive to save my ass to, like you said, I may get paid on. I, now I think he'll get like something like a three or four year contract, kind of like with the Seahawks with Geno Smith. Yeah, I, I was like, okay, that. that's a fair amount of money, but it's not like, you know, okay, that's not hamstringing your, uh, you know, franchise. They're not like, backing up the Brinks truck on him. Definitely. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not, oh no, I should make that joke. They're not paying anyone 250 million guaranteed. I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> there we go. That's I was real there. dark with that. Yeah, but we're not yes. going to do that. We're yeah, not going to no, do that. No. Um, so yeah, I think that will close out our talk here about the 2023 Fantasy Awards and the Fantasy Season here. Like I said, we'll share the link with you of everything that we discussed with our good friends Chauncey and Thaddeus on the LA Pod Fidential episode. So yeah, we'll make sure to share that with you so you guys can check that out because yeah, we discussed things for like three hours. So if you want your fantasy fix as far as how we felt about the 2023 season, go listen to that episode. Even if you only listen to like part of it, you'll still get a ton of content for sure. It's we also all four of us. We shared our worst predictions worst fantasy predictions that's true. that that's was true. that was a goal that was my favorite part of the episode it, <laughs> it, it was painful but it was funny yes agreed agreed all right dad so let's take a look at 2024 now i know it's a little okay. early obviously if you're playing redraft leagues but if you're playing in a keeper league or a dynasty league or some other league where it's like you're still making transactions down you're thinking about strategy you could still could be thinking about you know some players and some situations as far as how the 2024 fantasy season could be affected. Uh, watching the playoffs, Tad, I mean, I texted you about one of the guys that I'm going to bring up, but I'll pass it to you here first. Uh, who's a guy or like what's a situation that you're monitoring or that you find very intriguing as we sort of head into 2024? And we still got the playoffs going on, but just like when you're thinking about 2024's fantasy season. What's something that's sort of on your mind as far as a situation or an intriguing player, just like whatever it is? I think this is a guy who's going to get a fair amount of attention this offseason when it comes to fantasy, but I'm hoping he doesn't get overblown. Uh, we okay. were also talking about this on Chauncey's podcast where, you know, he said, oh, I called Pollard, you know, being a bust because he was the guy that got overtalked. And I'm a little worried this may be, you know, next year's version of Pollard, but I think, I think because of his situation, he might fly just enough under the radar. But I'm telling you, this guy has real RB1 potential next year that you could get in the middle rounds. I'm keeping my eye on Jalen Warren. Fascinating. Fascinating name to look out for. So Jalen Warren, it was funny because everybody was talking about like, oh, well, he overtook Najee Harris as, you know, the main running back. Oh, well, he may overtake him as the main running back. It never really happened because if you look at the final stats of the year, he had over, over 100 fewer carries than Najee Harris did. Najee Harris had 255. He had 149. So it's not like, again, with all this, like, oh, this is takeover. I just think he was just so much better with the ball. People just assume, like, a lot more I, I see him more on SportsCenter, so therefore he must be the new starter. And that, that was never really the case. And so you also look at, you know, stats beyond that. He beat Najee Harris in yards per attempt, which is probably the most important stat when it comes to running backs for me. Uh, his longest run, 75 yards, by the way. And he only finished four touchdowns behind Najee Harris. I know that sounds like a lot, but again, he had over a hundred less carries. So four touchdowns, not that bad. And look, you also flip it on, you know, the other side of the offense, the passing game, he had 74 targets. And now I know he wasn't able to do much with it. He basically only had 300 yards, only a pair of touchdowns. So he wasn't able to do much with it, but I don't, fault Warren for that. I fault Matt Canada first and foremost. And unfortunately, I think my boy Kenny Pickett is toast. Um, maybe he's a backup in Pittsburgh. Maybe Pittsburgh lets him go. It's pretty easy to get out of these contracts. Uh, how about this? What if Chicago trades for Kenny Pickett and a Justin Fields deal and all of a sudden you have a ah, terrible backup to Caleb Williams? It could be interesting. It could be interesting. So I don't think they're ready to totally give up on Kenny Pickett just yet. But Mike Tomlin has said, especially with the U.S. coming, that he is going to be returning as the head coach for the 2024 season. He is going to be looking at external candidates for the offensive coordinator position and the big one. He's bringing in competition for Kenny Pickett. I will say, though, he said these things last year, and we still got the season that we had with the Steelers. So I really don't know what's going to transpire here. But, yes, I 100% think that – 
even though Jalen Ward, like you like you said, it's like you're watching the game, you're just seeing Jalen Ward be a lot more effective than Najee Harris. It's just like you think they would have made that switch to him being the starter. I think you saw it towards the end of the season. They were giving him the ball a lot more compared to Najee Harris. Uh, but just, yeah, you see that sort of the numbers there were just like he has 100 fewer tar- um carries compared to Najee Harris but I think that number is going to drop down that you know that range between their differences is going to drop down significantly because I think they're really going to make it more of a split share because I mean Mm. just like you said just Jalen Ward was more effective with the ball in his hands compared to Najee Harris like I mean just I don't know what it is just whether Najee Harris is just not patient enough he just doesn't look for the holes as easily as Jalen Ward does Jalen Ward's a little bit smaller he's a little bit shiftier maybe that's playing into it but whatever it is if they want their offense to be a little bit more dynamic, they need to give Ward the ball a little bit more. So, yeah, I 100% can sort of, you know, think that maybe they'll start to use Ward a little bit more. And that will increase his draft stock for sure and drop Najee Harris' stock on the flip side as well. So, I like that pick. I like that pick quite a bit here. Um, I'm going to go with the wide receiver here, rookie wide receiver. And this is a guy that uh, we brought up, you know, we're sort of shifting into draft content here, but the senior bowl is coming around right around the corner here in just a couple yep. of weeks. And this is a guy that our good friend, Will Decker brought up in our live stream last year as a guy that you need to sort of keep an eye on as far as he could be a difference maker right out of the gate, especially if he gets drafted on day two or day three. And he absolutely killed it. For the Green Bay Packers, I'm talking about Jaden Reed, oh. the wide receiver, the rookie out of Michigan State. Um, Tad, you're gonna have to fact check me on this one, but can you tell I'm me it. when he was drafted? Because I think I want to say he was like the fourth or fifth round. I was gonna say third round, but I'm on it. It could be the third round, but talk, talk him up while I look into my notes here. So over the last eight weeks of the season, Tad. Reed scored 101.6 fantasy points, which ranked him as the 12th best fantasy wide receiver in that span. He averaged 14.5 fantasy points per game in that span, which ranked him as 10th best at the wide receiver position in that same span. He ended up finishing the regular season with the Green Bay Packers as the leader in receptions, leader in receiving yards, and scrimmage touchdowns. And he also missed one game this season. He was still able to rack up all those numbers, and he only finished behind Romeo Dobbs as far as targets by only two. Romeo Dobbs had 96 targets, played all 17 games. Reed had 94 targets, played in only 16 games. So, I mean, you could definitely tell that Jordan Love was looking at his direction, definitely liked him as a target that he wanted to look for when it came to touchdowns, when it came to moving the ball down the field, when it came to crucial downs. He was a guy that he was targeting. I think he headed to next year with those sort of numbers that you're seeing. There's a lot of talk about just like who's going to be the number one receiver, obviously, with that moving off from Devontae Adams. Like, is it going to be Dobbs? Is it going to be Christian Watson? Christian Watson can't stay on the field. Is it going to be some of these younger guys like Samari Ture? Is it going to be Jaden Reed? Is it going to be Dontavious Wicks? Like, I mean, we had all these names. They're just like, who is going to be the guy? Heading into 2024, I think it's going to be Jaden Reed. Like I said, with just that rapport that you're seeing with him and Jordan Love and just the production that he's leading to it, it's like this is a guy that you could rely on now as far as like, who am I thinking about in this Green Bay offense? Used to be Christian Watson, but like I said, the guy can barely stay on the field. Yes, when he's on the field, he is effective, but now I see him as like maybe a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, as opposed to being like a wide receiver two for sure. Maybe a fridge wide receiver one, depending on where you're drafting him. But yeah, with Jaden Reed, it's like he is locked into being a wide receiver two for sure for your roster. I think potentially if he gets more involvement in the offense, you see Jordan Love, he's airing it out. Green Bay had the 11th fewest rushing attempts in the league during the regular season. So you can anticipate that they want to air it out. They want to give the ball to Jordan Love. And because of that, Jaden Reed becomes a very interesting option as far as like one of those very much like how you're saying, um, where he could be a middle league option that could obviously pay dividends for you to possibly get you a consistent option at that wide receiver position. So Jaden Reed, I like him heading into 2024. Okay. So before I get to uh, what round he was drafted in, can you, I guess I just found this out. Can you tell me the first college he went to? The first college? He was a transfer, which I did not know. Wow. Okay. I, I think I remember Will bringing this up, but I am blanking on the college. I'm just going to go with the shot in the dark here. And I'm going to say Illinois. Western Michigan. <laughs> if memory, if memory serves, Michigan. go Broncos. I think they're a Broncos. Yes, they are the Broncos. Some type of horse. I know yeah. there's some type yeah. of horse. It's the Western Michigan Broncos. Yeah. yeah, that is accurate. But I never would have guessed that. So, okay. yeah, he transferred after one year in Western Michigan. Uh, also, the reason I bring that up is to distract the audience, and hopefully they've tuned out by now. Uh, we were both wrong. He was a second-round pick. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a yeah. second-round pick. Like, 50th overall. Lower. 
Wow. Okay. Okay. But now you see it. He's living up to that expectation for sure. And I can't do the math on the spot, but that was either the 17th or 18th pick. Because if you remember last year's draft got thrown all off because of, uh, you know, a certain team. Damn it, Miami. That is true. That is very, very true. So, yeah, Jaden Reed, I very much like him heading into 2024. Tad, why don't you give me another player or another situation that you're sort of keeping your eye on as we get closer to that 2024 fantasy season? Okay, this shows that I'm not biased because I think whether this guy is on a new team or not, I still think that he is a massive fantasy sleeper going into next year, and that is Michael Pittman Jr. That is a guy I'm – What? <laughs> What? No bias because you're a TCU guy and he went to USC. Is that what it is? <laughs> no, because he plays for the Colts. Okay. Okay. And but what I'm saying is whether he you know stays with the Colts or leaves because he is slated to be a free agent this offseason. Very true. Very true. Whether or not he stays or goes, I still like his situation. Depending on this, is because I'm very convinced just the way he's kind of been interviewing and stuff. You can tell he's getting a little fed up with the Indianapolis quarterback yeah, carousel, and I can't blame him because basically his entire career, he's had a different quarterback every other week. Um, and no, I'm not exaggerating. Every other week, he's basically had a new quarterback. Um, sure. So I think that if he does go to a new team, it's going to be someone with a pretty stable quarterback situation, which is going to increase his stock because he really only finished as like wide receiver 14 with with how good he is he really should be a pretty like you know solid top 10 receiver and on top of that and i will say this actually i anticipate he stays with the colts because and okay. tell me and correct me if i'm wrong here but i've never heard well you know uh, go against me if you've heard otherwise but i've never heard a non-quarterback say this he has openly come out and said i'm fine playing on the franchise tag it's like, I'm going to go with that Interesting. Which makes sense, though, because you know, do you want to guess how much the franchise tag for wide receivers are? I want to say it's like maybe 18 or 19 million. You're close. $20 million. $20 million. Okay. No, I, I can definitely sure see why it's like 20, 20 million. Yeah, I'm all right with that. Like, yeah, no, I'd, be, I'd be okay with that, too. Um, but I think that's a good sign, too, that he does like it in Indianapolis. So I think that if he goes to a new team, depending on the team, like imagine if he goes to the Bengals. Like what if he's the Bengals fix to losing T. Higgins and Tyler and potentially Tyler Boyd as well? That's amazing. Like Michael Pittman on the Bengals would be crazy good. Uh, Michael Pittman, nah, not on Miami. He doesn't fit there. But like Michael Pittman in Kansas City, if he takes a little bit of a discount, plays for Kansas City, all of a sudden Michael Pittman way skyrockets up by – Speaking it, of Kansas could you imagine the team that they're playing? Can you imagine him and Stephon Diggs, Michael Pittman and Stephon Diggs in Buffalo? Because <laughs> they're going to lose Gabe Davis in all likelihood. Gabe Davis is a free agent, yeah, but also just with his injuries and inconsistency, it's like, why not get a consistent option of Michael Pittman? You Damn. got the all-around threat Stephon Diggs, then you got the possession threat Michael Pittman. Yeah, that'd be dangerous. Or, or and I this guy almost made my list. He was this close to making it. Could you imagine me signs with the Jets? Garrett Wilson, Michael Pittman Jr. Aaron Aaron Rodgers was this close to making my list, but you know, he's I don't like him right now. So point being though is yes, exactly. You can imagine all these situations where we're like, oh my god, Michael Pittman could do so well in this situation. And it's just like he hasn't really shown that fantasy wise in the last two years, but it's by no fault of his own. So I think that Michael Pittman is like your pinnacle pinnacle receiver sleeper that you can easily get in the fourth or fifth round. No one's jumping to get, especially after Jonathan Taylor's season, not that that was a bad one. It just wasn't great. I don't see any Colts going in the top two rounds, maybe in the top three rounds. So I think that Pittman is a excellent, excellent candidate, especially if God willing, Anthony Richardson can stay healthy. Even if he does go back to Indianapolis, then all of a sudden, you know, his, his stock still remains as high, assuming again, Richardson can say on the field. <laughs> and it's actually funny that you bring up Richardson because I was actually just about to bring him up too. And I think that's another reason why Michael Pittman may decide that he wants to come back to the yeah, Colts or he's okay playing on the franchise tag. Cause yes, getting a cool 20 million, nobody's going to complain about that. But I think maybe he has some intrigue playing with Anthony Richardson. Like, you know, maybe the hope is, is that he is the franchise quarterback. He brings an extra dimension to that offense, obviously, with his running ability. Hopefully he starts to develop the passing ability a little bit. And, of course, the 100% big thing needs to stay on the field more. So well, I was about to say, you're forgetting one key ability, the sliding ability. Yeah, sliding ability, availability, if you want to throw in the cliche uh, there yeah. for sure. So it's like, I think maybe that's the intrigue as to why he's he's saying that he's okay playing on the franchise tag. But yeah, 100%, if he hits the open market, he wants to see what's out there, there are going to be a lot of teams going to be asking for his services. So, I mean, we listed a few, but yeah, we'll dive into that further once we get into the offseason and the actual free agency period hits us for sure. But 
yeah, I do like Michael Pittman. I think he's one of those guys that's just like he's highly targeted in the Colts offense. You only imagine if he goes somewhere else, he could see those numbers increase. But yeah, he's a very dependable option that you could get somewhere in that fourth or fifth round for sure. And he could pay big dividends for you. How about this? I know it's going to hurt your guy that you just listed, but Michael Pittman of the Green Bay Packers. They don't make the splash move. So unfortunately, I as, they do as sometimes. Feeling, it's Tyler like Zedarius Smith and guys like that. They'll do it true, occasionally. True, but they're very few and very few and far between. So yeah, I, I, hey, I'd love the best situation there if he does go there, but I just don't see it happening with the tendencies that they have in free agency. So I wonder if Jaden we'll Reed would give up, give up number 11. I'll see why not. I'll see why not. But all right, I'm going to close it out with the team that, you know, speaking of Michael Pittman, it's going to come up here in a little bit here. But I want to close with this one because, Tad, I talked to you during the playoffs when I was watching his play. I brought up this guy in Chauncey's podcast as well as far as like he he brought up this very similar question about like who's a guy that you like heading into 2024 or who's a guy that you're sort of, actually, no, he asked what's your bold prediction for 2024. Mm. And this is what I said. I said C.J. Stroud will be a top five fantasy quarterback. And so he's a guy that intrigues me a ton getting into 2024. And, Tad, I texted you after that game with Cleveland – during the game, excuse me. Not even after the game. I was texting you during the game. I was like, I'm doubling down on that bold prediction that I made on Chomsky's podcast. I mean, the guy just looked unflappable in that game. He had – 274 passing yards in that playoff game against Cleveland Browns and three passing touchdowns, no interception, and he was just not scared by this very elite-level Cleveland Browns defense. You look at the season that he had over the entire regular season, 4,108 uh, 4, passing yards, not 4,180, unfortunately, that, that much. That would 23 be passing incredible. touchdowns, five interceptions, three rushing touchdowns, all that total to 276.02 fantasy points. Finished with 43.04 fantasy points behind the fifth-place finisher, which is Jordan Love. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could finish in the top five because, I mean, that touchdown number should increase. And I think with the season that he had, he had to deal with, obviously, the injury to Tank Dell. Tank Dell stayed healthy the entire season. Maybe we'll see those numbers increase. You know, Robert Woods was just unfortunately not effective. Uh, Nico Collins came on strong. He dealt with some injuries. Noah Brown came on, but he also dealt with some injuries. Dalton Schultz had some flashes towards the end of the season. He also dealt with some injuries. So, fortunately, lots of these players for the uh, Houston Texans, as far as their skill position, they were just getting hurt. So, you got to look at the fact that it's like, hopefully, take Dell stays healthy next year they bring back nico collins i think he's still under contract for them um dalton schultz is a free agent i know that so maybe they let him go but like we're talking about with the free agency it's like now you're committing to cj stroud who had such a great season you give him some more weapons we saw devin singletary totally come on so hopefully they re-sign him or if they go in the draft with the running back i don't know about david pierce's situation like whether they want to commit to him he just didn't look all that effective this year but you look at the wide receivers tad there's a lot of great receivers that they can add to this group, and you you really quickly want to step in yeah. here. So I just looked up Nico Collins' contract status. Next year is the last year of his contract, and you know how much I love contract your players. players. They very go true. off. Oh my dear God. Very true. So that's a very interesting situation there. But you look at the free agency market. These are just some of the names that, you know, you already brought up a few here. Michael Pippen Jr., T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. But Sterling Shepard in the New York Giants, he's a very dependable, cheaper option, too. Uh, we already talked about on Chauncey's podcast, Calvin Ridley is going to be a free uh-huh. agent. Maybe he decides he wants to leave Jacksonville. Um, Curtis Samuel with the Washington oh. Commanders. He's a very good position uh, possession type of receiver. So, I mean, he could bring an extra dimension to that offense as well. And here's the big one. I don't know if they could lure him away, but could you imagine Mike Evans and CJ Stroud together? <sighs> That'd be impressive. That's not good for you as a coach. Well, at this point, they're going to kick our ass for the next decade. (laughs) For fantasy managers out there, like, I mean, that's a match that just, oh my God, you will be chomping at the bit to draft that stack for sure. Um, Also, you got to turn to the draft because, I mean, there's a lot of great receivers that are coming in the draft. They pick towards the end of the first round with that pick that they're getting from Cleveland. Unfortunately, their own pick will be going to Arizona. That's what it was. Yes, exactly. So they'll be going to Arizona. So they won't have their own pick, but they will have Cleveland's pick. So they're picking at number 23. So when you look at receivers in the draft, you got Keon Coleman out of Florida State could be in play there. Um, Troy Franklin out of Oregon could be in play there. Interesting prospect. I still can't get my finger on Exactly. Him. Yeah. And then if you go to the second round, if they let Dalton Schultz go, maybe they look at Jatavion Sanders, the tight end out of Texas. That could be That'd a be good option. Stay in his home state there with Houston. Or – 
This is a guy that a lot of people are mocking to the Houston Texans in the second round. Malachi Corley out of Western Kentucky. <laughs> oh, is a very interesting that would be well. interesting. Yeah, so you got a lot of great options. That or you can what about to- this? I mean, they need a big try. Draft. I have to interrupt you. Uh, it's you know, <laughs> like you talked about with Nico, and I'm not saying Nico Collins is small for the love of God, uh, but like with Nico Collins and another guy that I'm going to bring up in a bit uh, on this Texans offense, they don't really have that like big possession receiver. A guy sure. we were talking about just our last episode, Johnny Wilson, would be a fascinating fit here. That would be very interesting. That would be very interesting for sure. So I mean, they got a lot of options as far as free agency, as far as the draft. But yeah, you get this guy, maybe one or two more weapons in this offense, and CJ Stroud is definitely just going to take it to another level in 2024 season. So yeah, I'm targeting this guy as my starting quarterback. But I think you can wait hot him, fill up the beginning parts of your roster with some strong running backs, some strong receivers, and then you get a guy like CJ Stroud maybe in the sixth or seventh round. Man, that's a sneaky, sneaky diamond in the rough there with CJ Stroud. So I very much am very intrigued with him heading into 2024. Uh, I'm glad you said sixth or seventh round because I, I want to caution our you know, viewers and listeners against – I really shouldn't say this because my, my friends listen to the podcast. <laughs> but um, yes, I'm right there with you. That this is my kind of mid-round target guy of like, no one's really thinking about him as QB1 until they have to. Meaning like somebody in your league is going to have like their initial plan and then that's going to go to shit. And then they're going to like start looking at Stroud pretty hard. So like, yes, I would wait on Stroud. I'm not, you know, neither one of us are saying go for him one, two, three, or even four. But come the fifth round, if you still don't have a uh, quarterback or if there's no good backup plan there, um, I would just go for it. Like, just go for it. This is the type of gamble that pays off because it's not just Stroud. And that's the thing is like, it was very, this is a very painful research session for me because (laughs) it's a players to look out for in 2024. Rogers almost made my cut. Um, Two other people almost made my cut and they're both on the Texans. One was Tank Dell. I think Tank Dell is a fascinating receiver, especially with the injury stuff. I think he's going to, now that's a guy you can sleep on for a while. Oh, I think sure. Tank Dell's sure. really going to slip in drafts and then explode. So he's also very high on my list. And every word of this is causing me pain. Um, another guy is Devin Singletary. I almost yeah. put him for comeback player of the year um, because he came back from like, you know, being kind of like iffy. And then once Damian Pierce got hurt, by God, he took full advantage of that and, you know, became one of the bigger, you know, monsters, more consistent monsters in fantasy football. Well, I think he, he will repeat that exact performance. No. But my point being is this Texans offense is hugely loaded. And, you know, it really doesn't matter about Dalton Schultz because all you really need is a big athletic tight end. You already named two of them in the draft. That's a dime a dozen in free agency. So they can – because they – look, they use Dalton Schultz somewhat. I won't even say a fair amount. That feels like too much. But it's just like, yeah, find a big, fast white guy. You're going to be fine. And they can find that. So, yeah. No, CJ Stroud, he's going to be good, and I hate life. (laughs) Please God, let Will Levis bust. If Will Levis and CJ Stroud both work out, I, I, I'm done. Well, you can still hold on to hope that Anthony Richardson, like I said, big thing is day. Would if he's up drinking everything? He's looked great because he's looked great when he was on the field. But just that's the thing: can he consistently stay on the field? So we'll see what happens. That's a whole other fantasy conversation. Because if he can stay healthy, that's interesting with all those rushing stats. Oh no, believe me, I very much like it. I'm very much intrigued with Anthony Richardson as well, but. Guys, it's still very early. We're definitely making that transition to the 2023 draft talk for sure. So we'll save some of that 2024 fantasy draft conversation for once we get closer to the summer months. Uh, But yeah, we definitely want to close out the 2023 fantasy season with some of those awards that we brought up and give you a quick preview with some of the things that we've seen over the last handful of weeks, definitely in the playoffs when it comes to my pick and CJ Stroud. I just really doubling down on that one. That's like, that's a prediction that I'm going to keep going. Probably the best one of the night. I'll give you that. So definitely we're going to be giving you our inter um our talk and our just our you know analysis and all that stuff for the fantasy draft once we get closer to those summer months. But I mean, hey, if you need our advice now, you see the ticker down below. I caught it at the end again, unfortunately here. But Still make sure you hit up hit, make sure you hit up on our Twitter handles there. I got up at the side twenty-three, tad at tad side ninety-four, the show handle at the side guys, and of course on Instagram at the side guys as well. Hit us up with your fantasy advice or fantasy, you know whatever sort of advice that you need when it comes to fantasy football, whether it's like dynasty advice, whether it's like who you think about for keeper stashes for 2024, are you starting up a league and you're trying to figure out your draft situation for your startup dynasty draft, you know, whatever it is, we're still your fantasy guys for sure. But I think the big one too, with us transitioning to the draft, 
send us all your draft questions as well. We're here to help you with all that stuff. We're diving into our homework now. So me and Tad are going to be heavy looking at some tape, reading some articles, what have you, to get ready for the Senior Bowl live stream, as well as give you a preview of the East-West Shrine game. And, of course, everything that follows after that. So make sure you subscribe and grab to your podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Let's run the LAFP Network website as well. All tons of options for you. Just hit that subscribe button. Always be up to date with our podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And guys, please, please, please support our parent network at LAFB Network. They're giving you a lot of great content when it comes to the Rams and the Chargers at the professional level and the Bruins and the Trojans at the college level. They're giving you a lot of great content for sure. Um, we've already brought it up, LA Confidential with a good friend, Chauncey Talese. We were just recently on Salute Detroit podcast with our good friend, Al Rowe. So I mean, lots of great content from them. Make sure you're supporting them as well. But guys, to everybody who's already watching the videos, who's listening to the podcast, who's interacting with us on social media, I mean, just... Anything and everything that you're doing, guys, to support us, can't thank you enough. And this may be the long-waiting game because this becomes a lot easier once the draft is over, especially in May. But if you guys have any off-season topics you want us to talk about, you know, best and worst coaching hires. Um, you know, We'll definitely get into that in the yeah, off-season I'm, for sure. I, yeah, I'm trying to think of other ideas, but honestly, this is why I'm reaching out to you is because if there's an off-season topic that you think of that, you know, I'm not going to promise we're going to discuss it, but I – guarantee you especially come may because we'll we, we get we'll we get real lazy and we run out of ideas real quick in may so after <laughs> the draft but even before sometimes we want to take a break from the draft especially as sure. april gets closer we get kind of sick of it and so we usually take like one or two episodes where we're like all right no draft stuff none of it so if you guys want us to talk about something Shout out your ideas, like Emmer said, right below. Oh my God, that's what it feels like. Right below, where it says Emmer Decide 23. I got so excited. Tad Decide 94. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, the YouTube comments. We've been checking those out as well. If you have any ideas of what you want us to cover in the offseason, we're here you know, to make the stuff you guys want to listen to, what you guys want to watch, because you have supported us so massively. Just check our viewer count on our last video. It's doing fantastic. So... Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all so much for watching. And please, as always, stay safe, everyone.